Hey guys, it's Hadley. And it's Emily. And the bitches are back. And things are going to get dark. Damned. And disturbed. Welcome back, everyone. So we are here today with an Emily-centric episode. Yes. And I, this may or may not be like the second or third time we've tried to do this episode, but every time we had to stop, we were like almost to where things were really going to hit the fan. So it was getting juicy. It was getting juicy. And I tried to, which this didn't take a lot of effort on my end, but I did try to forget everything that you told me okay okay we're right you know just just Mm -hmm. jump on it Emily. just rock my world again i guess because okay girl seatbelts everyone seatbelts everyone okay jeff doucette um i'm gonna put my trigger warning here it is the only one so trigger warning pedophilia sexual assault of a minor Um, All bad things. Jeff was born February 3rd, 1959 in Port Arthur, Texas. And that's about the extent of information you can find out about Jeff. Not much is known about his early childhood or early life except that he was sexually molested as a child. And eventually he himself began molesting children. So, uh, so many that... He couldn't even recall how many children he had victimized. Um, Disgusting. He, at one point, had a sexual molestation charge, but it was erased from his records. And sometime after that, he moved to Baton Rouge and became a karate instructor. So, Jeff Doucette, everyone. Karate instructor and pedophile. The title. I can't. Okay, so Jeff at 24 met Jody Ploche. Um, Jody Ploche was 10 in early 1983. Uh, Jeff lived at the karate studio, I guess like upstairs or something. They didn't really go into a lot of detail. Jeff was well loved by all of his pupils. You know, he was the cool guy, the cool karate instructor. And especially Jody and his brother Mikey they really kind of formed an attachment to him. He was also well-liked by Jody and Mikey's parents, June and Gary Ploche, and he became almost like family to them. Um, imagining him like, <laughs> like when you say he lives there, I'm just imagining him just like sleeping in the middle of the room, like on the, on the karate. Sleeping in the dojo. Sleeping in the dojo, because my cousin did karate when we were growing up, and I used to go and like watch his things. I was just imagining him just like sleeping on like the mat that's out in the middle of the floor. <laughs> I'm tired now. The sun just like beaming in in the morning wakes him up. Like oh my god, in in the dojo, what a he special! In the in his whole getup, you know, like <laughs> belt on and everything, just ready to go. <laughs> Stop. Okay, so Jeff would apparently take the kids like skating to the movies, um, fun stuff like that, and he was even invited to dinner to a dinner party at Gary's house. <clears throat> Excuse me. In an interview done on YouTube with Black Bigelow, we'll be linking. We'll be linking the video. Jody says um, the first time he remembers anything quote weird happening 
was when Jeff brought Jody for like a ride around the block. Jody said that he would let the kids like drive around the block, practice on the stick shift. Um, and he said that Jeff put his hand in Jody's lap. It was very brief and quick, but he thinks that this was Jeff starting to test his boundaries with him. Um, the interviewer asks, what happened after that? And Jody said the next thing he remembers was they were going crawfishing, um, a whole gaggle of kids. And at night when they would sleep, Jeff would put two kids on one side and then Jody on the other. So it would be kid, kid, Jody, or kid, kid, Jeff, Jody. And he said that he would kind of turn his body so that the other kids couldn't see. And in Jody's words, started playing with me and he did it all night long. Jody said that he was awake, but he pretended to sleep because he wanted to pretend like he didn't know. The next day, Jeff asked Jody to go to the store with him, and he asked Jody, you don't tell your parents what I do? Um, uh, I'm trying to forget, sir. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, and since Jody was pretending to be asleep, he was just like, what are you talking about? I don't know what you're, you know, I don't know what you're talking about. So it kind of set up um, that, like, now Jeff thinks he can just do whatever. And Jody's not going to say anything. He really thought if he just, like, pretended it wasn't happening, that maybe he would stop and then... It would go away. Like, he's a child. He's a, he's a he's baby. Probably, he's probably thinking, like, if I don't feed into it, then maybe he'll realize, like, oh, this isn't doing anything. Like, maybe I should just stop. And, mm -hmm. oh, God. and at 10, he was 10. A ba he's a baby. a baby. So you you, ha you have to go and watch this video, all y'all. Um it was a really good interview. He said, um, so there was a camping trip, a karate trip to Houston. Um, Jody is almost 11 at this time. And on the way, they were all riding in like a van. And Jeff had Jody. Jody, he was like, come here. Let me, you know, come here. Let me talk to you. And <clears throat> um, Jeff said to this child, I'm going to suck some dick tonight. And Jody was like, okay. Um, you know, why do I care? He was just like, okay. I'm, I'm 10, okay. <laughs> what does that mean? I'm 10, okay. So, same setup as before. They're in bed, watching a movie. I think he said it was a John Wayne movie or some kind of like Western, Western movie. They're in bed watching a movie, same setup as before. Except this time he turns up the movie. He goes under the covers, no. and he performs oral sex on this 10-year-old boy. Oh, my God. I don't know where I, like, I, in my brain when he said that, I was like, okay, maybe he's just, like, announcing it, being like, I'm going to do it to someone else, like, not no. a 10-year-old. So in my brain, I was like, okay, he's just, like, going to go have, like, a sexcapade for the night somewhere, not with the kid. No. And I didn't, I didn't put this in my notes, um... But it was in the, because I didn't want to like, you know, basically just recite the entire interview. But Jody, Jody did say, you know, somebody asked him like something like, well, you know, did you like it or something along those lines? And he said, you know, my body did, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's your, it's his body. I always think about that too. Like when, because I feel like 
I want to say I've heard that it's been brought up in like not necessarily trials like this but like rape trials and like things of this nature where they're like oh well things started happening with them bodily and blah blah, blah. but it's like it's an anatomical thing yeah like, like you can't if, help it if you press the right buttons and if you do the right things equipment's going to turn on and start operating and so exactly. there's, there's a certain extent to this where it's like the the person is not enjoying it the person is not consenting to it but it it's bio your body responds you know a biological response and so that's what makes it worse is because then those things start happening and then the person that's doing it is like oh things are going on they must like it so then a lot of times it just gets worse and it's just yeah, like and it's like yeah dude i don't li like my it's I don't it's know not you guys literally just my body like i can't <laughs> oh my god this poor baby so after about a month um it pretty much turned into full-blown sex um and the abuse actually goes on for about a year before the kidnapping this is multi-layered i was not prepared for a kidnapping you're i was you're not muted. you are not ready i was muted i was drinking water and i wish i would have like, forgotten the sound that i made when you said kidnapping i went uh, what? this is full of surprises you are not you are not ready okay oh, no. so now we're gonna talk about the kidnapping um Jeff goes over to Jody's house and tells June, his mother, that he needed to go check on some carpet for somebody. I guess it was like a side job. He installed carpet. I'm not sure. And he asked if he could use her vehicle. Um, she said, yeah, that's fine. Just don't be gone all day. Jody went with him um, to go check on the... You know, it wasn't anything out of the normal for them. Uh, so they drove all the way to Port Arthur, three hours away. Let me rewind for a minute. Before they drove to Port Arthur, I think they stopped at, like, his brother's house. And he, like, got some things from there. And then they drove all the way to Port Arthur, which is three hours away, to his mom's house, to Jeff's mom's house. Um, he was trying to get money and running from some kind of, like, embezzlement charges. Like, it wasn't charges yet, but somebody was trying to get him because he owed them money. Hmm? Early stages. They come in after him. Yeah, early stages of it. Uh, Jody said that he was trying to get his brother's birth certificate so that when they got to California, he could get a fake ID. You know, Jeff is missing, but they're not going to look for his brother. You know, that that's what I guess that's where his mind was. Um, Jeff's mother actually called Jody's mom to tell her that they were at her house and that they would be back on Monday. So the next day. <clears throat> um. I don't know that she knew what Jeff was up to because she told June that she had an emergency and that he had to see her. Like that, that Jeff had to see her. So anyway, um, she says they'll be back Monday. And of course, June's like, that's not okay. Like he has school tomorrow. But also like literally there is no kind of emergency under any circumstance where you need to take my child and leave the state without consulting me. Like, exactly. I d obviously like this was all a ploy, but mm -hmm. from the jump, ma'am, your story is not making sense. Um, and I'm not even going to say with peace and love, uh, with war and hate. Okay. Your story <laughs> does not make any sense. Like th that just, oh my God. That's why it didn't say that she was actively involved in it. 
Um, but still, I mean, but, you like, know, it was obvious. I mean, we know now it was a ploy. Whether she, whether yeah, she knew at the time or not. Like, still, even if, even if that genuinely was what was happening, it. I, there's not a single thing you could tell me. I don't even have, like, I just have dogs, but if you take my dogs and you leave the state with them without talking to me and you're like, oh, I'm going to bring them back to you days later, I will literally, like, show up at your house with the popo. She's gonna Liam Neeson your your ass. So. I will, for sure. Like, Luna, <laughs> Luna, I'm gonna put air tags on them, so if y'all have iPhones, which if you don't, <laughs> goodbye. Um, <laughs> but I'll be tracking the dogs with the air tags, okay? <laughs> Okay, so, um, she says they'll be back Monday. They don't show up. Instead, they went to his uncle's house in Sulphur, which is kind of like on the, it's, it's in, like on the line between Texas and Louisiana down there. Um, and when Jeff and Jody didn't come back on Monday, that's when Jude called the police. Um, I forgot to mention that when they went to Sulphur, he did manage to get money somehow, and that is when he bought the two bus tickets to L.A. Um, while on the move, Jody shaved his beard and then dyed Jody's hair black to dry and disguise him. And that's why in the video that will also be attached, and I'm going to have Hadley Google it live, or I'm just going to send it to her live so she can see. Um, that's why his hair is dark. Okay, Jody's. We're right here. Nope. Nope. Wait. I don't know what just to wait. Yeah, you haven't told me what to Google. Okay. Okay, you don't need to look up nothing yet. I just want you to be shocked. Okay. okay. We've got it pulled up. I'm ready. <laughs> so, they get a room at the downtown Hilton in LA for the first night, and then they went to Anaheim. Did I say that? I think I said that right. Did they go to Disney? Yes, you said Anaheim correctly. Did they go to Disney? Jeff took Jody to Disneyland. Oh my god, I guessed! <laughs> <laughs> it's been a week now. No one has heard from Jody or Jeff. And uh, Jody wanted to talk to his mom. He's a 10-year-old boy. But also, I bet part of him, I was literally just sitting here thinking, like, man, what a ride. Like, <laughs> you're 10 years old. You've, like, found yourself. Now you're at Disneyland. Like, you don't even know how you got here. And that's, like, I almost wonder if he was like, hey, we're going to go to Disney. Like, your mom knows. She's cool with it. Yeah, I mean, because at some point, I feel like if I was away from my parents for too long, I'd be like, my, my, my dad knows I'm with you, right? Like, my mom knows I'm with you, right? And, like... But you know, it takes if someone, if an adult who my parents trust completely, looks at them, looks at me, and says something along the lines of "Yeah, your mom knows, and we're going to Disneyland." I'm gonna be like, "Yo, <laughs> let's go! Just tell me where to be." But two two days after after mine are gone, they're like, "Can I call my mom? I miss her." Literally. So I would imagine, you know, he probably wanted to talk to his mom. Um, Jeff actually. Let's Jody call her. Uh, coach Jody to tell her, hey, we're in New York. <laughs> but so back then, um, you you remember like collect phone calls, one eight hundred Yeah. Call C O L L E C T. Call Collect, you know? Yes. So when you called Collect, there was always like an operator, either I think it was at the end of the phone call or at the beginning, one of them. There was always an operator. So when Jeff let Jody call his mom, the call was collect. Cops were able to trace via the operator the call to get to, to the address of where they were. Hammer. Found him. Didn't think that. Um, bing, bang, boom. Jeff is arrested on February 29th. Woo. 
and Jody is reunited with his parents. Now we're going to talk about Gary Plochet, Jody's dad, American hero. Oh my god, I'm like watching the sarcasm. Who is that? No, American hero. American hero. A show. A show. Are you for real? I can't even tell just, anymore. It's okay. Just okay. So. I'm what am I supposed Gary? to Google? I supposed to Google that. Don't. Okay, so. Okay, okay. Gary was born November 10th, 1945. He and, and Evie have the same birthday. Wow. I didn't like make that. Okay. Born November 10th, 1945 in Baton Rouge. Um. His name is Leon Gary Plochet. Gary brief briefly served in the Air Force and was a staff sergeant. When he left the Army, he became an equipment salesman and also worked as a cameraman for a local news station, WBRZ News. He was just a normal dude living a normal dude life until his son went missing. As any parent would be, Gary was horrified about what happened to his son. He tells Mike Barnett, a Baton Rouge sheriff who helped track Jeff down, I'll kill that SOB. I bet. <laughs> I'll kill him. Jody, Jody's been found at this point, which um, brought Gary relief, but he was still angry. He was still mad. Me too. Um, yeah, because Mike, Mike Barnett also was the one, I think it said, that that called and spoke with Gary about what happened to Jody. Um, so he would hang around a bar. It was called the Cotton Club in Baton Rouge. And he, was at, he would ask people when they thought Jeff would be back to Baton Rouge for his trial. A former colleague from WBRZ News told Plochet... Uh, when and what time he was being flown in. So on March 17, 1984, uh, Jeff Doucette made his way back to Louisiana. <clears throat> Gary drives himself to the Baton Rouge airport, enters the arrivals hall wearing a baseball cap and a pair of sunglasses. You know, the normal Marvel disguise, <laughs> superhero disguise. You just got a, a baseball cap and some sunglasses brown leather jacket <laughs> you know his his new balance is on his feet ready ready wbrz is there recording recording they're all waiting you know the news is waiting for jeff to deplane gary walks over to the payphones, makes a call to his best friend jimmy and said to him here he comes you're about to hear a shot <laughs> news cameras are rolling Following Doucette through the airport, Gary waited until Jeff passed him, turned around, shot Doucette through the right ear. Didn't forget to hang up the phone either. Boop. I also really just keep forgetting, like, I wasn't expecting that, but when you were like, he just like walked in, whatever. I keep forgetting that prior to 9-11, you could go sit at the gate with your family and friends. And like, It's weird to think about that. Yeah, because it's been, every time I've flown, I've had to deal with like going through TSA, the check bags, pulling out the, the three ounce bottles of shampoo and whatever else. Like I've always had to deal with that. So like, I know on Friends, like when I watched Friends a couple times, it was like so weird. Cause on there they would like sit with each other at the gate until the flight was like boarding. And I'm like, yeah. this is so weird to think about. So then I'm like, you're like, oh, he's bringing a gun. But I'm like, oh, 
<laughs> you just walked right in, girl. That's I never I didn't fly pre nine eleven. So like I flew I flew like a week after nine eleven, which was terrifying. Absolutely, it was terrifying and absolutely insane. Like the the way things just kind of flipped. Obviously for the better. Also, maybe I'm just extra paranoid, but like I do my best to not actually fly on 9-11 on any year. It never mm. fails at like some point around 9-11 I have to fly somewhere and I forget. And then I'm like looking at the calendar and I'm like ooh, I don't know, like just in case I'm gonna book another day. <laughs> like, I don't, Yeah, we're not. I'm, it's not I'm safe. I'm risking it. <laughs> so Barnett, you know, the one who knows Gary, he very he was there. He very quickly apprehended Gary. And in the video that you can watch on YouTube, it'll be linked. You hear Barnett say, why, Gary, why? Like, he, why, Gary? You know, he just watched some dude get murdered. Gary responded with, if somebody did it to your kid, you'd do it too. Dang right. And you would do it too. Not for a check. Not for a check, for free. For free. So I'm going to watch okay, girl. a video now. Or yeah, watch. she's going to pull it up. Okay. What is this exactly again? <laughs> this is the shooting? This is oh, the shooting. On camera. I'm like, how did they get this? I already forgot. In HD. In, in, in HD, girl. Stop. Okay, so we're going to pause, and then we're going to come back after I've watched the video. So hold on. Yeah. Second, guys. Mm -hmm. Okay, guys, we're back. Oh. I'm literally <laughs> I'm laughing because... You guys have to watch it. It's going to be, it should be the last link in the show notes. I'm not laughing because a man is dead. I'm laughing because of the fact that Gary looks like an absolute 1980s white suburban dad. I'm just imagining like cut off the, the knee, knee length jorts, this hat, these aviators. And then, and then you just literally see the guy. You see, um, you see him walking by and then just like, Phone in one hand, gun in the other, just like got him. He crosses his arms. Crosses his you arms. See. He's holding the phone, mm -hmm. I believe, with his left arm or his left hand. Got the gun in the right. Crosses him, shoots him, uncrosses the arms to put the phone back. When he put the phone back, I just lost it. I was like, he really hung. He hung up the phone. I think I think I do have the arms right though, because then when the guy does like kind of like body slam him into the phones. The, the, yeah. the gun is over here because the guy takes it out of his hand. But I do love that he he told them, he said no no time in prison would make up for what he did. Like, there is no prison sentence to, to serve for this that would be mm -mm. justifiable. But, like, it's um, not funny because he died. I don't know if he died, but he got shot. But not funny because he got shot, but just funny. Like, it really looks like a scene out of, like, an 80s action movie. Like, that looks like a scene they cut from Die Hard. Like, really tough. And Gary, Gary was not playing. He's wearing a striped polo, some jeans, a brown belt. I mean, yeah. You know. He's ready for anything at this point. Let me, I'm going to turn my volume down, but go back. Because I'm, I'm looking at him right now, yeah. Um, I mean, just, just a man who's so confident in what he just did. And we, we love that confidence. Because, I mean, he sure did. He crossed them arms. He went. Ow. And as as we've said before, we we don't condone murder, but I really am, and this is just me. I believe this was very much warranted. Um, I would expect nothing less. 
from at least my husband. I would expect nothing less. Yeah, there are some crimes, especially... And especially, too, during this time with it, like, being... An, like, not that any crime like this against children is bad, no. but during this time in particular with it being a, an older man to a male child, I think that, too, caused a lot... Like, I think that might have made it a little bit worse in Gary's eyes, but mm-hmm. I have no way to know that. That's just my assumption, but, you know being gay was not a thing back then like it is well i mean it was but it wasn't like yeah. publicly as open as it, it was before. more scary as well and so you know he might have had fear that like rumors could be happening about his son and like things of that nature that just like you know i can't even imagine the place that these parents like the, this couple and the, i can't imagine it like i do believe there are some there are some s- things where you know it's an eye for an eye i feel like you know now he didn't murder his son, but he did do a lot of horrible things to his son, and so ruined his life. Yeah, essentially. ruined his like, life. And so, for like when you do things to kids, that's where I'm kind of like, mm, okay, like you need some yeah. kind of because even if like he probably would have got murdered in prison. Let's be real, because a lot of times people like him have to be put in protective custody to keep him from mm-hmm. being killed. But you know. Exactly. Shout out Gary Plochet. Also, in the video, when you watch it, they definitely pronounce his last name wrong. I know these Louisiana and French names are a little difficult, but it really is. it's I'm pretty sure it's Plochet. It really is in HD. <laughs> it says it right here. It's in 80p. So, I want to ask you guys, um, heroic or reckless? You know, what because that, that was a big question. Is it heroic or was it reckless? Um, Gary's arrested. He doesn't ever spend any time behind bars for the murder. He completed no contest to manslaughter, given a seven-year suspended sentence, five years probation, and community service. Um, Judge Frank Saya ruled that sending Plochet to prison would not help anyone and that there was virtually no risk of him committing another crime because... The man who did, you know, the horrible things to his son is already dead. It was isolated. Plus, plus, if he was put in prison, the public outroar. Yeah, for sure. That would would follow. So um, Gary actually later says that he has no regrets about what he did. None. Um, Gary passed away in October of 2014 from a stroke. His obituary his obituary describes him as a man who saw beauty in everything he was a loyal friend to all always made others laugh and a hero to many the fact that as for jody in there hmm. always hangs up the phone i mean that <laughs> they missed it he wasn't trying to charge anybody else no extra for the collect call thank no. you gary only had 25 cents to put in that pay phone made sure the phone got hung up when his time was up good day but <laughs> so as for jody it took him time to process everything. Obviously, he was 10, 11. Um, but he ended up turning his experience into a book. It's titled, Why Gary Why? And he says, I wanted to give victims hope. I wanted to give parents knowledge. And I wanted outsiders to get a general understanding about sexual violence and sexual abuse. I've had parents message me and say, I just finished your book. I learned so much. There's a lot of things I never would have thought of. Um, but look, y'all, at the end of the day, get to know who your kids are spending time with. Jody, Jody's parents did 
everything they could. Um, apparently they did background checks on him because they were friends with the sheriff's department. They looked into him um, and he was one that went under the radar. So I'm not, you know, I'm not saying Jody's parents did because they did everything they could. But that's part of the reason why Jody wrote the book was so that he could really help parents see the different signs that his parents might have missed. Teach your kids. Make sure they know 100% without a doubt that they can tell you anything. And talk regularly with them and make sure, and this is so important to me, make sure that there are no secrets with adults. Safe adults don't tell you to keep a secret from mom and dad. Christmas gifts, that's different. I'm talking secrets. Safe adults will not ask your child to keep a secret from them. Um, and Jody also says, if they want to spend more time with your kid than you do, that's a problem. That, um, he got a point there. Like, yeah. I do, Jerry, I want to steal Kellyanne. I really do. I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> it... it it's I'm, I'm pretty Jody has spent also a lot of his time advocating for yeah. sexual abuse against children um he's actually kind of funny and he has dark he has a dark sense of humor so he you know he can laugh about stuff and joke about stuff um but I also want to give Lindsay a shout out because she was like girl you have to look into this nice girl look into it I said thanks thanks Lindsay Shout out, Lindsay. Oh, we did that at the same time. Wow. wow. Well, that's it for Jody, Jody Ploche, Jeff Doucette, Gary Ploche. Wow. He got what was coming to him. Period. I feel like, I feel like what he did, like with the whole like reckless or heroic thing, mm -hmm. I, <laughs> I just like because of who I am and my like school and all that stuff i find like i feel like i'm personally i'm like yeah okay like that was heroic but then the other part of me where it's like the logical side of me is like you should have just like let it just this is why we have the justice system like we should just let it should just let it do its thing like should i feel like it's both yeah, should reckless and heroic yes, a little bit reckless well, i'm not saying like i can't say without with 100 confidence that if i was in his shoes i wouldn't do the same thing um but like, just who I am as a part. I'm like, dang, okay. I feel like you were a little bit of both, <laughs> Garrett. You did a yeah. little bit of both. Mm -hmm. But overall, I think. I mean, I think it's awesome that that judge saw the situation for what it was and was like, sending him to prison would do no good for anyone because, like the judge said, it would have just caused such a public outroar. Uh, mm -hmm. And it, this also kind of. I don't know why this like this makes me think about cases like Gypsy Rose with like the yeah it all it all comes back to it a lot of things like um, that. we're also gonna link um, Jody Poche has a website that you can go to um, it's got like about me's videos he has a YouTube channel um, that he likes to cook so he posts like South Louisiana recipes in there I was watching a few of them so if you listen to this Jody, I'm gonna make those red beans and rice. Okay. Do it. I'm gonna make it. Heck yeah. <laughs> okay guys, well, thanks for that, Emily. That was a that was a wild ride, girl. I wasn't ready. 
You're welcome. But shout out Lindsay for the recommendation. Yes. But we will catch you guys in the next one. Okay. Bye. Bye.